tell you, it's time for you to rise up. Somebody give him a praise. And so be, before, I, before I share this message in just a moment, can I read something to you? But I want you to get excited as I read it. In fact, you need to realize that who you are. In fact, bring that up for me if you would. I, I, this is a manifesto he gave me, and my goal is to put one of these posters in every locker in America and in every school in America. Can I read this to you? Can you get excited with me when I read it? How many of you know who the remnant is? This is what God, I'm just out jogging, and all of a sudden God just says, write this down. I'm literally walking around this track weeping as I'm writing this on my little pad on my phone. And he said, the remnant has found freedom in the arms of a loving Savior who's not only forgiven their past, but also has authority over their future. Somebody give God a shout. The remnant knows that the I am has now made them his. The remnant consists of those who feel like failures, the fatherless, the forgotten, the freedom fighters, whose pedigree is that of a scarred Savior. Come on! Oh, we're not there yet. Here we go. Okay. The remnant rescues the hurting and defends the fatherless. Just a mandate God gave me to put over a generation. And then I wrote the whole book around it. And so watch. Because the remnant cannot be defined by man's concepts because they find their value in the eyes of a Savior. The remnant is, has decided at all costs they will not quit on the one who would not quit on them. Somebody shout. The remnant doesn't. See, you've got to understand. All throughout history, when God gets ready to raise up a group, it's not the masses he raises up. He raises up these one small groups that will stand and bring light to darkness. Here we go. I'm about to get heavy with this. The remnant has decided at all costs they will not quit on the one who quit on them. The remnant doesn't stop where they should have died because they know that Jesus didn't. The remnant chooses to let go of past in order to experience the freedom that comes with moving forward and forgiving and moving forward. The remnant chooses to leave a life of compromise for the spirit of consecration. The remnant will not be swayed by the wind of compromise. They will not stare into the eyes of revenge, and they will not seek the approval of the populace. Give God a shout right now. The remnant seeks holy justice with a passion for pursuing the fallen asleep with the knowledge of him who's waking and dead. Oh, you better get excited. The remnant seeks to gain nothing but always has everything to give. The remnant declares grace with justice, power with meekness, and joy with accountability. The remnant has mastered the simple fact that true revival is not the gathering of the saved but a resurrection of the lost. You've got to understand, this comes from traveling two million miles around the world. This comes from seeing a generation awaken. And God said, tell them who they are. Watch, the remnant are private worshipers with a public voice who seek only the revelation of God's kingdom, not their own empire. The remnant does not bow to culture, but finds culture is recreated by their passion for Jesus. The remnant walks among the, remnant walks among the lost humanity, not screaming insults or provoking slander, but invading with light that which is only known darkness. Are you with me? Because there's a remnant in this room, and in a moment, God's going to invade this place, and we're going to have a Kairos invade our Kronos. And in just a minute, we're going to have an altar experience, because when humanity meets divinity, that's an altar call. And God says, I want you to understand, your lifestyle should not change when you get to heaven. He's looking for a generation that will step in deep and cry out and not worry about, oh, I wish you'd get excited. The remnant includes the apostle with the worn-out garments, the smiling prophet, the transparent pastor, the weeping missionary, the teacher with tools and hands, and the servant evangelist. The remnant understands that the fruit of the Spirit is not a salad for a church potluck, but rather the diet of a lifetime. The remnant knows the gifts of the Spirit are not for the evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal talent show, but rather the weapons of a dying leader who has chosen spirit over flesh and freedom over slavery. Somebody shout out, I am remnant! I was just out walking. I was tired. I just got off a flight late the night before. And I said, Lord, I got to write this book, and I don't have anything in me. And he said, get your phone out. Watch, watch, watch. I'm almost done. The remnant stands on truth until the shifting sand of compromise slides from underneath, underneath their feet to reveal the rock of salvation. The remnant does not walk in fear of man's retribution, but rather the fear that man will never know the love of a savior. The remnant always clashes with religion because they know all throughout history, religion has always tried to be the noose around the neck of a Holy Spirit movement. Here we go. The remnant is not a pulpiteer, a public speaker, but rather a resuscitator of life to those who have lost breath. The remnant doesn't need the stage, but rather a place to call to, to bring a weary guest. The remnant is satisfied at all times because they hunger and thirst after righteousness, and they shall be filled. I'm almost done, then I'll preach. But I had to give this to you. The remnant does not walk in flattering circles, but rather in the places where the unknown sojourner must be found. The remnant says yes to the cross, no to the applause, yes to the altar, no to arrogance, and yes to covenant, and no to worldly concepts. Somebody give them a shout. The remnant is chosen to be the least of these amongst the greatest them. i got to hurry. Watch. The remnant sleeps in peace only when night is dawn in order to strengthen the journey and mission. 
And the remnant hides in the shadows of intercession only long enough to embody the burden of restoration. The remnant doesn't mind seclusion because they know that is where strength is found as their peace comes from secret encounters and private glances with the Heavenly Father. And the remnant, I love this, the remnant has decided at all costs, listen to me, this is my, this is my mission statement for life. We've decided at all costs. They will not allow the next generation to speak of the last generation as a group that didn't want to see God's glory. And this is it. And this is it. And I'm going to get right into this word. And you're going to feel the invasion of the Holy Spirit. Because I honestly felt like this. And see, I have a problem. I have a sleep disorder called revelation. And a while back, I had a dream about what's about to happen in here. I'm not being weird. I'm not manipulating. I hate that garbage. But the remnant is afraid of only one thing, and that well, time will not permit all they feel called by God to do. This is more than a spoken word, but this is a declaration of truth. Somebody shout out, we are remnant, and give God a praise. Somebody give him a praise. Come on. Anybody want this? Okay. Grab your Bibles this morning, and you may be seated. At the end of the service, if you would like to... Hang out in the back at the table. I'd love to meet you back there. This summer, I was speaking at Penn Florida Youth Camp. And so you got to understand, because I've done 157 youth camps. If you're not careful, it can just become monotonous. You can just kind of do this thing. It's just what you do. And I was on the phone with a couple of guys, a guy named uh, Javen and another guy named Landon, and we were talking about this outreach we were going to do, and the prophetic began to flow. And as soon as I, as soon as I got off the phone, I, I was out at the lake there by the camp, and I was just doing a jog, and the Lord began to speak to me. I want you to awaken the Samuels. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you right now, for some reason, we see crazy things. I can tell you that last Friday night in Indianapolis, and you can see it on Instagram, but a girl walks up to me on Saturday and says, when you were preaching, all my scars disappeared. She's a cutter. For some reason, I write about that in the book. For some reason, that happens in places we go. And then I asked the Lord one time, I said, why is that happening, God, in services? And he said, because, son, when the love of a father enters in, he said, I can not only heal the inside, but I can transform the outside. Give God a praise right now. And I want to go ahead and tell you, I promise you, there's going to come a moment where the Holy Spirit hits you and this altar area is open because when humanity meets divinity, that's an altar call. And, and if at any moment in the middle of this, you say, dude, I just, I'm going to ignore the rest of whatever Pat has to say and, and, and I'm just going to go go after God. And if that happens at some point, you need to know you're free to come up here. And so, but only if God tells you to. And so, but what you got to realize as I move into this, I must share. Awaken the Samuels. A week and a half ago, I went into my prayer room and wrote this for you. I don't know about you, but have you ever been woke up in the middle of the night? Dude, I, I, I get freaked out. I don't know about you, but I have the craziest dreams. I have the weirdest stuff that happens to me. It, it, there's nothing like, and, and, and my greatest encounters have always been with God in the middle of the night. It's very rare that it happens during the day. It's usually when I'm least expecting it. And, and But, I mean, have you ever had any weird things happening in the middle of the night? Like like the, the night I, I was out of town preaching, and Nate, my son, and Nate's a youth pastor in Dallas now, at, and he just got married, and they're going to have some babies. Amen. And... And one night, Nate was in junior high, and by the way, Reggie Dabbs has always been his biggest hero. That's so cool. I love that. But one night, I'm out of town speaking somewhere, and all of a sudden, Nate and his friends are all in junior high. They're upstairs. Karen is downstairs asleep, and Nate and them hear something in the garage way downstairs. They, I think there's a monster or Jason or some killer. And so all of a sudden, Nate runs into my office where I have this big machete, because he's going he's, he's gonna to kill it. It's from a mission trip. He grabs his machete. All his friends go running downstairs. Karen is sound asleep. She's in the master bedroom. <laughs> the love palace. And 
And all of a sudden she wakes up and there is Nate standing over her with a machete like this. And she wakes up and she goes, Nate, what are you doing? She didn't know if it was like one of those Lifetime movies. And all of a sudden Nate goes, Mom, we just heard something in the garage. We need you to go kill it. Next day, I got on the phone with him and told him I was so proud of him for being the man of the house. But have you ever had crazy dreams? Like, for real. One night I was in a, I was sound asleep and, and I'm laying in bed and, and, and I had this dream. I was fighting ninjas. True story. I'm fighting ninjas and, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm punching them. And next thing I know, I wake up because I just got punched in the face. And I look over and I go, Karen, what in the world? She goes, you just punched me in the face. Or the time I had this dream and I was walking through the woods and all of a sudden this bear walks up to me and I looked at him and he looked at me and we just kind of stared each other down for a minute. Almost went Duck Dynasty on him. Like, mm -mm. But then all of a sudden a moose walked up and the bear looked over at the moose and all of a sudden the moose said, what does the fox say? No, I just... I, my team totally missed that moment on that song. <laughs> the Bible says this. You know what I've learned? You're always stronger or weaker in your dreams. It just depends on what you've been watching before you fell asleep. See, I've got to share this message called Awaken the Samuels. And the Bible says, and if you have your Bible, open to 1 Samuel chapter 3. I hope you have your Bible. If you get your phone out and look at it. 1 Samuel, the third chapter, and he spoke this to me. And the Bible says this. It says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, everybody say Samuel, was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. I have learned that as soon as you begin to believe that total darkness has invaded your life, there's always a moment where God will turn the nightlight on. I've learned at your worst moment, he can walk in and invade you. I've learned at the darkest hour, he has the power to transform you. And look what it goes on to say, and jumping all the way to verse 10. And I'm going to hurry, so stay with me. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. See, it's amazing to me how the world loves to define us as an oops or an accident or a nobody. It amazes me how the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy a generation through words or culture experiences. How he's trying to invade them and tell them that they're not worth anything. But what you've got to understand, there's about to be an encounter in just a moment because I can hear alarm clocks going off. And I'll never forget because, see, sometimes things happen to me. I'm reminded of my spiritual father who's a dad in my life. His name is Reinhard Bunky. And Pastor Bunky told me recently, he said, Pat, get ready because God going to start giving you dreams at night and I thought well that's really cool because that's never happened and 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 all of a sudden uh, true story I'm laying in a hotel room uh, a while back and, and as I'm sound asleep it's one o'clock in the morning I'm sound asleep it's Sunday morning I've got to speak in a few hours and all of a sudden I began to shake uncontrollably and begin to weep in my sleep and I felt the presence of God enter my hotel room and 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 all, all of a, as he came closer and closer I literally began to scream in my sleep please don't come any closer Lord or I'll die listen to me if anybody ever tells you they saw God and didn't first say they were scared to death they are lying and all I saw was his foot and I'm shaking and I'm screaming and my personal goal is to get kicked out of a hotel for praying too loud personal goal <laughs> and uh, and all of a sudden the Lord said Pat all he said to me was Pat if you'll give me everything you have I'll give you everything I have Pat, tell a generation if they'll give me everything they have, I'll give them everything that I have. And I woke up and I began to weep and turned worship on in the hotel room. But see, you got to understand, I told you a minute ago, you are a remnant. Romans 11.5 says, so too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. 
one of the mandates God gave me was the remnant sleeps in peace only when night is dawn in order to strengthen their journey and mission. I looked up the word remnant because he gave me this word when I was down in Dallas at Trinity Church getting ready to speak at their graduation. And I was out that morning praying. And he, and, and he said, Pat, raise up a remnant. Look for the remnant. There's a remnant that I'm about to use in this nation. And I looked up the word remnant. And it means what is remaining. What is, that which is left over a small part, a fragment or a scrap, an unsold or unused piece of cloth. Now get this because I'm moving deeply into this message quickly. And for the next 25 minutes, I promise you there's going to be an encounter. Somebody give God a praise. But would you watch this video, and as you do, my team is going, and, and many of the great leaders here are going to help me. They're going to pass out something to you because the remnant, you know what a remnant is? It's just a piece of cloth. It's just a rag in the hand of God sent to clean up messes. It's what's left over. In the Hebrew, it means after everyone else has followed false doctrine. All throughout history, God has raised up a remnant, and the Samuels are in this house. The ones that don't even realize at your darkest moment, he's been standing in your bedroom. At the place where you thought you would die. Because he's going to show you that scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. He's going to show you in the next few minutes that what you've been through is a great indication of who you're called to. He's going to show you in the next few minutes. He's raising up the ones the enemy never saw coming. Watch this video and get ready because I'm preaching Awaken the Samuels. And our team is going to pass out a little cloth to you to remind you that you're remnant. Watch this. As the sun rises, he's looking for his bluff. He is searching the nations for the passionate, the ones who are seeking his face, the ones who went only to be in his presence. He is looking for those that will take a stand, who are moved by the Spirit. Say enough is enough. Those who will stand up and cry out for his glory. He looking for you. See, there's nothing more powerful than when darkness gets interrupted. See, I know the power of darkness getting interrupted because my dad was a drug dealer. Now, you need to understand as I'm moving into this, I'm not going to go long, but at the same time, it was Penn Florida Youth Camp, and I waited, I waited, I waited to this youth convention and actually shared it at Indiana Convention last week. But uh, about a week and a half ago, he said, it's time. Write the message. Awaken the Samuels. And I said, Lord, I said, I, I don't like to go preach a convention where I have to get stuck with my notes or my iPad or whatever. And, and God said, no, no, no. In that room are the ones that I've been waiting to remind them who they are. In that room, I'm about to show the ones that have been through just a little bit of hell. I can raise him up. Somebody give my God a praise. But Revelation chapter 3 verse 2 says, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die because I have not found your deeds finished. Who was Samuel? He would be the last judge and the first prophet. And there's nothing more powerful than taking a generation that loves to judge everybody and moving them into the prophetic he was a man that when God raised him up, every city he went to, he rebuilt altars. I love altars because the altars, the raised platform made of wood, stone, or steel in which something's brought forth to die upon. I'm telling you, anywhere you go, it should take you less than 10 seconds to get in the presence of God. If it's in the mall, well, Pat, you're just radical. I know. But see, I've tried to not be. But see, you know what I've learned? The greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. 
And some of you have been hidden for a long time and you didn't even realize that God's been waiting to raise you up. You didn't even understand. In fact, he was a young man who had not yet heard the voice of God. And I love Samuel. I love his story. Listen, you will never get anointed just as David when you get to heaven. You're never going to get anointed till you get forgotten. See, what I've learned is nobody ever prophesies over the quiet days. I don't know about you. When I was growing up, man, they'd have altar calls, and, and some preacher would be there, and he's like walking around giving everybody words, and, and he'd look at me and just walk on by. I'm like, hey, I, I need a word right here. But then I decided I'll let them have their commercial. I'll take my movie that's coming. I love the story of Jesus, don't you? Because everybody loves to talk about Jesus, and then all of a sudden he disappears one day, and his mom and dad get ticked off at him because mama thinks he's at the back of the caravan and with the men, and then, and then dad thinks he's up there with the women in the front, but he disappeared for three days doing his father's business in the temple, and they forgot him from Sunday to Wednesday, and he did, he's gone for three days, and all of a sudden they find him, and he, they said, where have you been? He said, I've been about my father's business, and we don't hear from Jesus anymore from that point on. How many of you know that brother got grounded? <laughs> he got grounded for 18 years. Until one day he walks up. Nobody knew who he was. That's who God's raising up. The Bible says that Samuel's mother, her name is Hannah, she could not have a child. And, and she's married to a man by the name of Elkanah. And he has another wife named Penina. And Penina could have all kinds of kids. And Hannah wanted a baby because children are proof of relationship. And, and so finally she can't take it anymore. She hasn't been able to have a baby yet. And she's freaking out about it. And she, they, they show up to go make this sacrifice. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that she's walking around. And everybody thinks she's drunk because her, she, her mouth is moving. But she's not saying anything. And, and finally the priest walks up to her and says, hey, are you drunk, woman? She goes, no. I want to give birth to something. And all of a sudden, the, the priest looks at her and says, all right, God's going to give you a baby. She said, I've already promised him to the Lord. And the Bible says that they go home, and she has a child by the name of Samuel. His name means one who listens or one who, heard, who is heard. And so all of a sudden, she promises her child to God. So after he's born and he gets to a certain age, she takes him and drops him off at the priest's house, at Eli's house. And there he has to grow up by himself without his mama. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 2, 21, that he grew up in the presence of the Lord. But see, you don't understand. God dropped him off in a messed up house. Because the Bible says he moves into the house of Eli. And in Eli's house, he has two sons by the name of Hophni and Phinehas. Not Phinehas and Ferb, although that is a brilliant show. And look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Can we go deep today? Is that all right? Look what it says right here because we're about to have an encounter. It says, by this time Eli was very old. He kept getting reports on how his sons were ripping off the people and sleeping with the women who helped out at the sanctuary. Eli took them to task. What's going on? Uh, hearing story after story of your corrupt and evil carrying on. So my sons, this is not right. There are terrible reports. These are terrible reports I'm getting. Stories spreading right and left among God's people. If you sin against another person, there's help. God's help. But if you sin against God... Who's going to help you? So here is a little boy that was birthed out of a prayer life. I'm always amazed how God can raise up people that come from the darkest situation. Why? Because the, the remnant will consist of the failures, the fatherless, the forgotten, and the freedom fighters. And their pedigree is that of a scarred savior. Are you getting this so far? And somehow along the way, he gets forgotten. He gets left in a house. And the Bible says that a prophet has to come over to Eli and tell him, hey, your house is messed up. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, I'm just giving you some foundation. Chapter 2, verse 31, this prophet walks up to Eli and says, hey, be well warned. warned. Because understand, Eli and his boys thought they had arrived. And the only thing that ever tells you that you've arrived is the devil and your GPS and they both lie. Now watch. Be well warmed. It won't be long before I wipe out your, your family and your future family. No one in your family will make it to old age. You'll see good things that I'm doing in Israel, but you'll see it and weep for no one in your family will live to enjoy it. Pat, why are you preaching this this morning? Because he told me, he said, I can raise up the ones in this room nobody thought could be raised up.
Why in the world would God take Samuel and force him to live in a dark place? A place where the word of the Lord was silent. A place where, because it was an interruption coming. Let me tell you something. God knows how to interrupt the night. He knows how to step into your darkness and say, hey, 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 I didn't forget you. The world may have forgotten you, but I've been hiding you. I've been hibernating you because I'm about to use you. Because you need to realize we're living in a time where darkness has invaded light in our nation. And God says, I need somebody that will stand on a campus. Somebody that will walk into a house because there's darkness all around us. And he told me to come and tell you. Look what it says in Revelation 3.3. Are you getting this this morning? If you are, give God a shout right now. He told me to come and tell you I can interrupt your nightmare. He says, remember therefore what you received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief. You're not going to know what time I'm going to come. Because we're living in a time of what I call the invasion of secular Christianity. What does that mean, Pat? Secular means void of God. My new book, I wrote a chapter called The Oscar Goes To, and maybe it's because I've been guilty of this. Thinking you're something. It wasn't until six years ago that I got off the plane from Ammo Conference and got a phone call that my sister had died in her sleep. She had been a drug addict and had gotten saved four weeks before. But 5 a.m. the morning after I left, Pastor Jeremy, I heard the voice of my dad say, your sister died. I know what it's like to stand on stages like this and preach with nothing inside me. Hurt, angry. But we're living in a time of celebrity Christianity. And you know, the only red carpet in the Bible is where they, the blood from the martyrs, where they drug them. The only roped off areas where they hung the Christians. The only celebrities in the Bible were the children. Jesus said, don't keep them from me. In fact, if Jesus would have had handlers, bodyguards, the woman with the issue of blood would have never got to him. And we're living in a dark time where the Supreme Court thinks they can move the boundaries that God has created. We're living in a dark time, and I did a study on this, and it's going to be in my new book, but where it's okay to kill children. Ah, it's all right. And for 40 years, a generation, we've been killing babies in America. But you need to study that because all throughout history, any nation or civilization that has done that, within three generations, their nation gets taken over sitting on a plane a while back and I sit down to this little next to this little grandmama I mean she's 70 something years old and, and I'm tired and, and it's the night before the election of the president and let me just say it like this Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat he's not a donkey or elephant he rides those things get it and and all of a sudden this woman looks over at me and she goes so what do you do it's late and I'm tired and I said, well, I, I travel the nation. I'm a minister. And she goes, oh. She goes, I work for Planned Parenthood. And I went, I just looked up and I went, really? We start talking. I, shake, I held my hand and I said, you want to be friends? I mean, she's in her 70s. She said, I've been with him for 40 years. And I said, can I give you my opinion, opinion on abortion? She goes, well, here we go. And I went, no, no, it's not weird. I said, I think everybody's body is their body. They can do whatever they want with their bodies. And I said, but they're going to pay for whatever you do in your body. But... I said, but it's kind of like this. When I get home tonight, I own my house. I can go burn my house down. I got to pay the bank, but I can burn it down. I mean, it's my house. She goes, yeah. I said, unless someone's in it, then I lose my rights. We didn't talk a lot after that. Let's move on. But see, the spirit of this age is to make sin seem normal and righteousness strange. When I walk down the streets of San Francisco where I minister a lot, and I, I've seen people completely set free from the lies of identity that the enemy throws at them, and, and, and yet for some reason in culture we're so afraid to talk about that. And I'm going to be really real with you today, okay? Is that all right? 
the time where preachers are saying, look at me, because if we, if, we, if we say, look at him, then we'll realize we don't look like him very much. In a time where, where in, in Matthew 22, many get invited, but only a few make it. Why are you preaching this, Pat? Because this is your moment. There's a rising up in this room. There's an interruption. God is about to walk down the aisles of this place, and you're going to feel him breathing on your face. I'm talking about an encounter. I'm talking about a moment where he interrupts your darkness. He says, I've been looking for you. You think you've been forgotten, but I've been waiting on you. And the remnant will not bow to culture, but culture is recreated by their passion for Jesus. And you need to understand, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. Yeah, he, he made a great statement. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. And God told me to tell you in Psalms 139 verse 16, he said, I know you. I've had you in front of me. You are an open book. God says, you're the next chapter in the Bible I've been waiting to write. He says, I'm looking for somebody that will rise up. What do you mean? In a generation where the family's under attack, in a generation where we're running around cutting ourselves, and then when we get saved, we go from physically cutting to spiritually cutting. God doesn't like me. God can't use me. I just keep cutting myself spiritually. But God says, watch. I'll interrupt you. It's the little girl that Facebooked me about seven weeks ago, and she said, I was sitting on a flight, and she said, Pat, you're going to be in Virginia next week speaking at, at the, the, the Church of God conference. And she said, Pat, I, I, I was there last year. I was the girl in the wheelchair. And I have a horrible family, and my dad doesn't love me. But she said, when I see you, can I call you dad? And I just messaged back, sure, that's cool. Then a couple days later, I get a message that she had, she had gone to heaven. Seen, seen her real, the real father. See, I'm learning. It's what my wife said to me one day, and I wrote this in my book, that you can't, have, you can't have compassion without first having pain. But God told me to come and tell you the nightmare is almost over. And while the party was going on, while Samuel's living in a house with porn in one room and greed in the other, living in a house where the light of God had almost gone out, he stayed focused because you know what focusedness is? It's righteousness. You know what righteousness is? It means my character doesn't change when your mood does. It means I'm going to stand even if nobody else stands. And I'm learning the more you tell the truth, the smaller your circle will get. Over the last year, I've did more than 30 TV interviews with why is God so mad at me? And you wouldn't believe the attacks I've gotten just because I wrote one chapter that God didn't mess up on us and, and the lies of the enemy. But I'm here to tell you something. Let the enemy attack. Let people speak. Let them write whatever they want to write because there's a moment where God says truth will rise up in darkness. Somebody praise him. And in 1 Samuel 3, I got to hurry. Here we go. Here we go. We're moving towards the close. The first close. <laughs> Watch. See, there's people in this room that I know. There's people in this room. We follow each other on Instagram. We, we talk. I know some of your stories. I know some of the pain you've been through from all the years of doing camp here. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Just wrote this last week. He just gave this to me last week. He had spoken to me this summer, but I didn't know what he meant. But it says, the boy Samuel was serving under Eli's direction. And there was, this was a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. I could preach for days on that. I'm always amazed how people prophesy about what they want to get instead of what they got to lose. And one night, Eli was sound asleep. That's his stepfather. That's his adoptive father. That's the priest. His eyesight was very bad. It means his vision was gone. He had lost vision. And he could hardly see. And it was well before dawn. And the sanctuary lamp was still burning. Let me tell you something. I don't care where I've been. And I've been in other nations all over the world. I've been in places where I've had to hide under my bed because machine guns going off outside. But it doesn't matter where you go. Light always invades darkness. And you need to realize as long as you're his sanctuary, as long as you're a temple and not a shack, take the for sale sign down. Wherever you walk, you need to realize you invade that darkness. Demons ought to be diving out windows. Somebody give him a shout. And it was well before morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The sanctuary lamp was still burning, and Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God rested. And then God called out, Samuel! Samuel! I've learned that God can take your depression. 
Can I tell you something that happened to me about four weeks ago? I found out that I had some stuff sitting on me and, and it had been on me for almost a year. And, and I would get off stage and just, my wife looked at me one day and she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. And about four weeks ago, my daughter was at cheerleading practice and my wife and I were walking and, and the Lord said, walk the length of this football field. It's the football field my son played on. It's the football field my daughter will cheer at. And he said, go from goal line to goal line. I've never told this to anyone I, as far as a crowd. And, and all of a sudden as I'm walking down the football field, he said, call my word out, quote my scripture. Because I had had a fence on me for about nine months. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as I started walking, Karen's holding my hand and people are walking around. And I'm like crying. I mean, I'm calling out stuff. I don't care. I don't care because a real man knows how to cry. You know what I'm saying? A real man knows how to shout. A real man knows how to dance. A real man knows how to praise. He ain't worried about what nobody thinks. And I'm walking across the field and I'm quoting God's word. And he said, now when you get to that goal line, I'm going to lift this off you. And as I crossed that goal line, the heavens opened up and a new anointing came and an invasion of his spirit because God can interrupt your darkness. Somebody give him a shout. Have you ever, I, I love Isaiah. Isaiah 50 verse 10. Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark. I'm talking to the ones that have been discouraged. I'm, I'm talking to the ones that worship, but nothing's happening. I'm talking to the ones that have been living under closed heavens. Have you ever screamed, I just wish this nightmare would end? Literally after I looked at my sister's dead body, I'm driving down the freeway back to my house. I just I stood and looked at her dead body. She's two years older than me. She's 39 years old. She dies in her sleep. She had gotten saved four weeks before, but her body was wore out from drugs. And, and I'm driving back to, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama to Birmingham. And as I'm driving back, so it's early Sunday morning. I had been at ammo the day before. And all of a sudden I said, wake me up. This ain't happening to me. Here comes the encounter. Because God knows how to invade. It's Ephesians 5 verse 14. This is what it says. This is why it said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Because you don't even realize that God can see you in the darkness. He's been watching you in the darkest hour. And Samuel's laying in bed. He has not had a revelation of God yet. He has not had an encounter with God yet. He's laying there sound asleep. And God told me to come and tell you, he's about to wake this place up. And there's going to be a drawing to his freedom. You've never, you need to understand, one encounter with God will change you forever. Somebody praise him. It's the middle of the night when my son Nate was six years old and I've been traveling a lot and all of a sudden in the middle of the night I hear Nate go and I write about this and why is God so mad at me? All of a sudden in the middle of the night I heard, Dad! Daddy! I jumped out of bed and I ran upstairs. It's three in the morning. I go, what? I didn't know if he needed me to get the Holy Spirit spray out because we had this bottle. We wrote Holy Spirit on it. We would spray it under his bed and kill devils. We got mold from it but anyway, got to have Holy Spirit spray in your house. <laughs> it's awesome. It's fun. We're getting ready to go to bed, Daddy. I think there's something in the closet. Shh, shh. Let mold arise. And I run into his room, and all of a sudden, Nate goes, Dad. I said, what's up, babe? He goes, I just need to hear your voice. You've been gone a lot. I went, why? And I curled up in bed beside him started singing to him, which will put anybody to sleep. Amen. I got a little journey right there. A little journey. Journey's anointed. Move on. Samuel lived in a place, and I'm about to close, where the heavens were quiet and deception lived in the next room. You see, the remnant is the one who seek holy justice with a passion for pursuing the fallen asleep with the knowledge of him who's wakening the dead. And God protected him. In Proverbs 13, 12, it's one of my favorite scriptures, but unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, but a sudden, a sudden good break can turn you around. This is it. And God told me to come and tell you, he said, I can interrupt your darkness with one voice. And for Samuel 3, verse 4, then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, yes, I'm here. He runs to Eli saying, I heard you call me. Here I am, Dad. Eli says, boy, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. You're not called. And so he did. God called out again, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel jumps up. He runs and 
Did you call me dad? No, you're not called. Go on back. Lie down. This all happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. That's a powerful statement right there because you can run around and be saved because your mom and dad are, but there's going to have to come a moment where you have a personal encounter with a living, true Savior where you can reach out like Thomas and say, can I touch your scars? Because your scars, my scars end where yours begin. Yours begin. It's all until you can reach out and touch his back and find your healing. Reach up and touch the scars in his forehead for your thought life. Reach down and touch his side where you're plugged into him. Reach down and touch his feet, which will teach you how to walk. Touch his hands which will teach you how to do the work of the Lord. See, you're not getting this yet. Until you've had that personal encounter, it happened to me at 16 years old when he walked into my bedroom. And there's a moment because I hear the sound of an awakening coming into this room. In Psalms 18, verse 28, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Listen, God knows the right moment to interrupt your darkness. Three weeks ago, I was in Virginia. I got done preaching. Why is God so mad at me? I go back to my table, and this young couple or this couple comes walking up with their teenage daughter and the pastor's wife says Pat I want you to meet so and so this is I, I added this to my new book but but and I turned around and they said their 19 year old son was just killed in a car accident and your message has rocked them and as I turned true story I turned and I grabbed the mama by the hands and all I said to her was because it's I said I can't imagine your pain. And at that exact moment, honest to goodness, I was standing in heaven. And I've seen i never been to heaven. And I see this kid who's tall and lanky like this. And he's in, of all things, a flannel checkered shirt. And I, suddenly I was right back in front of her. And I said, and she's talking. And she's weeping. And I said, ma'am, can I interrupt you? I said, because I just had the weirdest thing happen. I said, was your son tall? She said he was tall and lanky. I said, yeah. I said, did he, ma'am, did he worship like this? Because he had gotten saved at Easter and had only been saved a few months before he was killed. And, 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 and I said, does he worship like this? And she says, that's exactly that. We got pictures. And I said, ma'am, did he have a flannel shirt that was his favorite? And his 13-age daughter starts weeping, and she goes, it's red. And I go in his room every day and smell it. I said, ma'am, I don't know why God did this because I've never seen heaven. But you need to understand, he let me just see your son worshiping in heaven. She falls down. The dad starts weeping because God knows how to bring a message at a moment. See, they were wondering, did he make it? Because religion will always try to tell you they didn't make it. And so I said, I just saw your boy standing and dancing before heaven. Somebody praise my God. Because you can't avoid God in the dark. He's right there. Psalms 139. I already read part of it to you, but look what it says. I'm about to close. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're always already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, even he sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. See, I'm reminded of my little girl that we adopted when she was nine months old, my little gift from heaven. Her first five American words are, my daddy's got a gun. But I'm reminded about a year ago when she walks up to Karen in the house one day, and all of a sudden Abby, Abby says, Mommy, can I tell you something? And Karen goes, sure. She said, I had a dream last night, and Jesus came and saw me, and Karen's like, really? And she goes, yeah, he reminded me that when I was in the orphanage sleeping in the bed with the other babies in China, he used to come and whisper, whisper to me, Abby, hold on, your mommy's coming for you? Isn't that cool, mommy? We laughed about it, and she ran off. And Karen's like, all of a sudden, Karen calls me because I'm on the road. And she goes, she goes, you're not going to, she tells me the story. I got so messed up, I took an offering for myself. Amen. You ain't got messed up till you're like, oh, I got to give. But see, I remember the night that we invaded darkness. After two and a half years of trying to have another child, the night we walked up the stairs, this video had not been seen till about six months ago when I found it in our family archives. The night that we walked up into darkness, into a dark country to get my little girl, my little princess. The night that we walked in and I was about to change her name. The night she had been forgotten and left in a field at 15 days old, but she had a daddy on her way because there ain't no orphans in this room.
God says, you're not an orphan. And all of a sudden, the night that we walk in, this is my wife holding my little girl for the very first time. This is the moment that we would hold my daughter and embrace her and change her future. Because a dad doesn't leave you where he finds you. He takes you where he's going. And all of a sudden, that was the night as she reached out and loved on us. She has become my best little friend. She gave me this bracelet last night and said, wear it, Daddy. I can't go because I've had a fever, but I want you to wear it. Or not for last. She said, because the anointing of God is going to invade that place. See, I know what it's like to take a little girl from nothing that has been left behind and forgotten and suddenly saying, oh, no, no. I'm about to give you a last name and an inheritance. I'm about to take you someplace because darkness can get invaded by light. Somebody give my God a praise. That's it. That's why he said in John 14, I'll never leave you as an orphan. You know what? The Holy Spirit is proof that God likes you. But you got to ignore the lies and distractions, and I'm done right here. And one night as Samuel was sleeping, he hears a voice calling him. First time he runs in the room and he goes, Dad, nobody ever talks to me. I got porn in one room and greed in the other and sex going on all around me. And Did you call me? What? 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 No, no, go on back. I didn't call you. He says, yes, sir. He stayed pure. He lays down all of a sudden. He hears, Samuel. He called me. He called me. I knew he called me. I knew he's playing with me. He just wants to play because nobody ever calls my name. I've been forgotten in this room. They dropped me off here. I've been abandoned. And I know they love me because they gave me to the Lord, but I don't know why, but I've been dropped off. I don't know. I don't know why he would drop me off here in this dark house where everybody's sleeping or either having sex or full of greed and stealing from the people. And, and he goes, Dad, you call me. No, 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 no. I didn't call you. Go back. Lie down. The three things the devil always tells you is I didn't call you. Go back. Lie down. Listen, God never called you to lie down. He called you to stand up. And what you got to realize when you lose your when you begin to lose your purpose like Eli did, when you lose your purpose, you embrace passivity. And God says, I'm looking for somebody that will run and do this thing. He said, I've come to wake you up. And the Bible says he runs in on the third time. And when he runs in there, he says, Dad, Dad, did you, did you call me? And this is it. Don't stop at your moment of breakthrough. Come on, worship team. Some of you are standing on the corner of destiny and circumstance, and you've been through enough hell you could write books for me. See, I know what it's like to take a gun out of my mom's hand when she tried to commit suicide when I was 12. I know what it's like three Thanksgivings ago to my mom be at my house, but she misses my sister so bad. Pastor's wife, shh, don't tell anybody. And, and she missed my sister so bad. And the next morning I was going to speak at a university. Or two days later after Thanksgiving, I was going to Texas to go get ready to speak at a university. And, and, but I had to stop at the mental hospital because she had gone home after Thanksgiving that day and went into the bathroom and slit her wrist. My mom three years ago. times do we stop right before our breakthrough? If he can just get you to settle for right now, you don't realize that on the other end, God says, I got to suddenly come in your way. And suddenlies are always preceded by obedience. I'm about to interrupt your life at your moment. In 1 Peter 4.12, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. By the way, if you're not coming up against the devil, it's because you flow with him. And what you got to realize, this is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. God says, my glory is just around the corner. Why? Because the remnant has decided at all cost. They have decided all costs. They will not allow the next generation to speak of the last generation as the group that did not want to see God's glory. And I'm done right here. Here we go. Here we go. He told me to come and speak this to you. A very different message that I would preach at a youth convention. And finally, the third time, Samuel hears, Samuel! Samuel! And he goes running in. He goes, Did you call me, Dad? Please call me. I need somebody to talk to me. And Eli, who had just a little bit of God left in him, 
says, go back and lie down if the voice calls again. Say, speak, God. I'm your servant. I'm ready to listen. Samuel goes back to bed. And God comes, leans over his bed and says, Samuel, Samuel, I'm right here, God. You know who I am. God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something you never would have thought could take place. I'm about to blow the world's mind, and I'm going to use you to do it. See, there's a moment where you quit blaming your upbringing. You quit blaming all your junk you've been through. You go to bed at night, and you turn off the Internet, and you turn off the stuff, and you turn off your phone, and you go, speak. I'm right here. You know, sometimes we get on these stages and we look so holy. Gosh, I'm so carnal half the time. But I've been running the shores of Singapore. I've been nations all over the world where I've just said, speak. Your servant is listening. Here he comes. He's invading the room. He's walking in the room right now. God says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've messed up. He says, I've been waiting to call your name. I'm about to take you from judging to prophesying. It doesn't matter if there's porn and greed in the other room. I'm right here. God says, I've been looking for my Samuels. He says, the light hasn't gone out. The light still burns. The alarm clocks are about to go off. He told me to come and tell you. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. It's me. It's God. I'm calling your name. God invaded his life in the middle of a Starbucks. Samuel, there you are. Hey, Josh. He's about to invade darkness. Shut your eyes. Hold on just one second. Pastor, so hold on one second, Sean. Hold on. 
We're dying for, hold on, no music, no music. Here he comes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. Would you, even if you're not a believer, even if you haven't had the, the revelation, you ignore the alarm clock would you even if you're not a believer would you pray something with me for a second do you mind doing this would you pray this prayer would you say everybody everybody keep your eyes open look at me say God if you're really a good dad that invades darkness that'll run into the room in the middle of the night no matter how bad it is then God, when I shut my eyes, would you take me to my worst moment and show me you were in the room? Now listen to me, don't shut your eyes yet, but when you shut your eyes, he may take you to that casket, he may take you to that phone call, the slamming of a door, the quiet shutting of a bedroom door. I don't know what you've been through. But when you shut your eyes, he's going to show you he never left you, he was there weeping with you. Because he's a good dad. So would you do this real quick? Everybody say, God, when I shut my eyes, take me back to my worst moment. Now listen, you may not have a worst moment. I got a bunch. <laughs> say, God, when I shut my eyes, take me back to my worst moment. I need to see you in the room. Listen, you're going to see him sitting beside you. You'll see him standing at the car accident. You'll see him standing at the casket. I don't know your worst moment, but we all got him. But say, God, real loud. God, say, God, when I shut my eyes, will you take me back to my worst moment and show me that you were in the room, that you knew me even when I didn't know you? Shut your eyes now. He never left you. Do you see him? He was there. He was there when that horrible thing happened and he wept with you. Every eye shut across this place from the front to the back. And my friend, my friend last night absolutely said grace starts right here. And man, I have never heard that statement. But it's the best, one of the best statements I've ever heard. Because I grew up in religion and didn't understand grace. But with every eye shut across this place, there's people that God, number one, wants to do for you what he did for Samuel. He's going to give you the revelation. Samuel had not had a revelation of God yet, a real revelation. Not my mama's Jesus, my daddy's Jesus, my grandmama's Jesus, my youth pastor's Jesus, my Jesus. It's what God does when he invades a Muslim man in his dreams. Which I've met many that have been awakened to Jesus in their sleep. But with every eye shut across this place, if you say, Pat, I want a revelation of God and I want my life clean. I want to be pure. You know what? I'm going to fall down. I'm going to screw up. But his grace is sufficient to carry me and get me through. And remember, grace is not, grace is the ticket to the cross. It's not an excuse to sin against it. Grace is like an invitation to get out of jail. Come on. But with every eye shut across this place, if you say, Pat, I need God to forgive me. I'm tired of feeling dirty. I don't want to be condemned anymore by that devil. I don't want to be like Samuel's stepbrothers, living in the presence of God, living in the house of God and playing with sin. But if you have sin in your life, I'm going to ask God to make you almost hate it, almost like a filthy mouth, a filthy taste in your mouth, like a dirty taste in your mouth. 
God's going to give you a revelation of his glory, number one. So raise both hands in the air say, I will. Raise the other hand and say, surrender. With your hands raised across this place, say, God. I need to warn you. Here it comes. Hold on just a second. No music. Hold on. Here it comes. Just for a second. Say, God. I need to warn you, he's about to be right in front of you, and I'm not being weird when I say that, but I believe when Kairos interrupts, that's God moments interrupts Kronos time moments. So with your with your eyes, with your eyes shut, say, God. Say this, say help. He's right in front of you. He's smiling. Say, God, forgive me. I give my life to you. Say, God, call me by name. Hold on, no music. Hang on. Say, God, call me by name. Did you hear him? He just called your name. Say, God, Interrupt my darkness. Invade me with your light. Lift your hands in the air high. Say, invade me with your light. With your light right now. Spirit of God, impel me. Come on and cry out to him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on, cry out. Come on, cry out. Here he is. This is the day in history when they will say the Samuels have awakened. The remnant is rising. A generation that will pray in the Holy Ghost. A generation that will seek the face of God, not the face of man. This is your day. Come on, cry out. Say, Jesus. Say, God, turn the alarm clock on with my family. Say, wake up, my family. Say, God, heal my house. Say, God, I'll be a Samuel in darkness. I'll praise you with stuff going on in the other room. I'll get up in the middle of the night and talk and cry out to you and turn worship on. Say, God, please rescue me. Samuel. Yeah? Did you call me, God? I sure did. And I'm going to take you from judging to prophesying. I'm going to let you anoint kings. I'm going to let you build altars in the darkest places to my name. I'm going to let you invade darkness. That's what Samuel became the one. He was the only prophet, priest, and king besides Jesus. So here's what you got to understand is Jesus knew what it was like to live in darkness and disappear. So all of a sudden, heaven opened up. He's down in the water. He can't breathe. John's baptized him, and he comes up. And all of a sudden, heaven's opens up and says, there you are. This is my in whom I'm well pleased. So say this out loud. I am. I am. Called. I cannot go back. I must stand up. Because I am. Samuel. I'm going to turn the alarm clock on. And when I do. You're going to hear the cries of the lost because that's what happened to Samuel. He had a revelation. You're going to begin to hear the cries of the lost. So say this one last thing. Say today. Today, invade my normal. I don't want normal. I am Samuel. When the alarm clock goes off, shut your eyes, say, when the alarm clock goes off, let me see that you can use me to invade 
darkness a morning. Here it comes. Say, God, the alarm clocks in history are going off. I am remnant. I am chosen. Invaders! I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that they hear the voice of God right now, Lord. That in the midst of their darkness, God, that is wherever they're at, God, that they hear the name calling out, God. That they hear their name, Samuel. That they hear their name, David. That they hear their name, Brittany and Sarah and Joe and Jose. I pray right now in the name of Jesus in the deepest, darkest moments of your life, you hear calling God. You hear God calling your name. He loves you. He desires you. He wants to remove all of the wickedness in your life and help you to become his promise to the world, a promise of love. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that he pushes you out out of your comfort zone, that you stop compromising your convictions. God wants you to rise up and be the man and the woman of God he's called you to be for this time, for such a time as this. Say this out loud. I am. Remnant, lift your hands and say, I am. As loud as you can shout and say, I am. Remnant, come on and give God a praise. Let me tell you something. When you go home, you never seen Samuel condemn his family. He let God do all that. He simply walked into the house and turned his home into an upper room. You are a mobile upper room. He didn't walk through the school condemning everybody. He just waited on God to call his name. I need to warn you because some of you are going to start having interruptions in the night, interruption in darkness. He's going to be at the foot of your bed. You're going to feel him sitting beside you. There's times where I miss my sweetheart of 23 years so bad I can't stand it. She's my best friend. And that sometimes I can literally feel God laying beside me in a hotel. Listen to me. My little girl said to me one day, she said, Daddy, I was taking her to school. How come you always say you love me before you came to get me? And I'm like, wow, it's too early for that. <laughs> we got Disney playing. I mean, Channel 78 on XM. I mean, it's like, and all of a sudden the Lord said, tell her because I loved you, Pat, before you found me. I said, baby, Jesus loved me before I found him. I don't know how I loved you first. Here's what you have to understand. Samuel never blamed his family. He never blamed his mama. He waited on his moment. So here's the last thing. Say, God, interrupt me. I want to be remnant interrupted. <laughs> Listen, I hope to meet you at my table back there. Get ready for two. You got Joey, one of the greatest missionaries coming up this afternoon. You got... One of my dearest friends in the whole wide stinking world. I'd lay my life down for him. Jeremy Johnson coming to lead this afternoon. He's invading L.A. But can I say one last thing to you? Don't ever again go to bed feeling less. Because God says you are more. And he says because I'm more than enough. When you go to bed hearing the screams in the other room. And you put your pillow over your head. Or you put your beats in or whatever. Just say Lord. Say this one last thing out loud. I am. Lift your hands. I am. Say, embrace me, God. I'm your remnant. Greatest generation God ever raised up. You are chosen to transform darkness. Lift your hands and cry out. Your love, your love. Your world will not.